Welcome to the Internal Communications Podcast. We're here to kickstart a revolution in internal communications. Businesses today are entirely dependent on talent, and that makes internal comms the biggest source of untapped potential in companies. In less time than the average Netflix binge session, we'll bring the most innovative internal communications together and push the field into the future. Subscribe and don't miss our episodes. Now introducing your host, Jonathan Davis. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're here at it again for the second episode of what is going to be a beautiful, beautiful year in 2021. Um, today, I've got an awesome guest here, Preston Lewis, <laughs> who um, I was introduced to via a mutual friend who was also on our podcast uh, before. And Preston and I got to talking about a couple of really, really relevant issues right now that we believe internal comms can play a specific role in that is going to hugely impact organizational efficiency. But before we dive into that, Preston, please uh, introduce yourself to our wonderful audience. Hi, uh, again, thank you for the introduction. Uh, my name is Preston Lewis, CEO of Intactic. Uh, we are a modern communications consultancy. I've uh, been in business, gosh, for over two decades now, um, with working with over 100 companies all over the world. Uh, we position ourselves as a hybrid strategy consultancy and, and full-service creative agency. Awesome. Well, two decades of experience talking to you right here. So that's going to be <laughs> amazing. Um, Preston, actually, so one of the first things when we started talking that really jumped out to me and that you're quite known for, I would say, is um, your philosophy on leading as a human. And I'm really curious, you know, maybe as an opener, we can start talking about what does that actually mean? How do you put that into practice? Uh, what have you seen? What's the tidbits on it? Yeah, I, I think it's a really great place to start, really to, to set a good foundation, not just for the, for the conversation that we're having, but uh, but just our work as, as professional communicators. Yeah, it's interesting seeing even again uh, this morning, I saw another ad for you know another leader. Uh, in this case, it was a tech company that was going to speak about creating a more human-centric workplace. And you know, as, as, as buzzwordy as it can sound today, I think what's really important to remember is this is not a new concept by any means, the communicators in particular. Um, and we talk about creating more human-centered workplaces or communicating in a more human-centric way. Really, it's another way of maintaining our focus and in, in being audience-centric, right? You know, we are communicating with people at work, uh, just like many communicators do, you know, whether you're selling a product or a service, uh, our, our, our focus is, is communicating and engaging people at work. And when we say being more human, it's important to remember that we as human beings intrinsically, you know, we, we, we care about a handful of things, but really two things bubble to the top that I think are most relevant. Uh, the first is that we, we, we don't like to look stupid or, or not look good. It, it's an uncomfortable feeling that brings anxiety and it's actually mostly unconscious to most people. Again, not just at work, but for human beings. So we, we don't like to look stupid or not look good. Number two, we need to feel loved. And you know, when we think about love in the context of this particularly workplace communication, um, really what we can boil that down to is just like in any good relationship, you know, outside of work or inside of work, you know, feeling loved means feeling heard or listened to. And when we talk about, you know, engaging people or creating more empathetic workplaces or, you know, what, defining our listening strategy, you know, really is what we call it often these days. 
it, it, our focus is ensuring that people continuously feel heard. And then the work is, of course, you know, how do we do that? Um, those, I just answered the why, right? But, but the how is much more difficult. So when we talk about creating more human-centric workplaces, if we can main our, maintain our focus and, and remember those two things, we're heading in the right direction. That's awesome. So you're actually reminding me of a, of a very wise lesson an uncle of mine once taught me. Uh, two, actually, in particular, that I uh, apply to internal communication whenever I can. The first is, if you want somebody to hear you, you need to listen to them first. So you already touched upon listening, which I think is... Uh, a very, very strong point. And then the second is that when people listen to you, they only hear what they want to hear, right? So right. it's psychologically, we're programmed to just filter information that's interesting to us via yeah. our mental frame model and all of those things. Is it Does that touch upon what it means to really communicate to humans, but also as a human? Absolutely. So let's 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 get into it, right? That's uh, I think that when when folks are listening to this podcast, it's, what, what can they leave with? What what is it that we can remember to do really well? Or what? Of course, as part of that, what can we be reminded of? When we think about how we go about our work. Um, what a smart uncle! <laughs> I'm sure on lots of levels uh, that you have, and you know, there's there's lots of different ways to think about that. Those points. Um, the the one around, well, sure, you know, we need to listen first. You know, it's like listen first. Uh, thinking about the, you know, the other day about uh, my daughter loves Hamilton, you know, the, the play and, you know, that, that, that famous line that said, you know, talk less, smile more. <laughs> I, I, oh, you, yeah. you can't, on so many levels, that's such a valuable piece of advice. Um, to me, smiling means listening, right? Creating, you know, time and space for that. But, but back to the point, you know, when we think about, um, you know, another way of saying that, making that same point that your uncle made is, look, we also, as human beings, um, our, our ears aren't open. We're, we're, not, we're not interested in hearing anything other than um, specifically, you know, what, in the context of work, you know, what is our organization doing to address my concerns? So when we think about concerns, and we, de we define concerns as something that, uh, if the concern can be addressed, it's very valuable to me. So uh, like in the context of change communication and change management, we always talk about, look, um, as we're crafting our messaging or the narrative, if we're not directly responding to what it is that keeps people up at night, you know, other way of saying, well, you know, what is your concern or what keeps you up at night really in the context of work? If we're not responding to that initial, often unconscious, sometimes conscious for people, need or concern, then they're never going to listen to anything else we have to say. Right. So, uh, you know, a basically adopting this philosophy the first step is listen because you need to figure out what it is that does keep them up at night <laughs> right start communicating to them and i think that this is also a big shift that i've been seeing in the way that internal communicators operate you know before it was send 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 and and that idea is kind of disappearing but mm -hmm. even though obviously a large part of our jobs will always be send information and there's nothing wrong with that but i think that we can do that a lot better than how we did it before and yeah. i think that i i hope that this is what you are touching upon as well when you send communications out don't generalize it don't take that one size fits all approach because then you're not touching upon the things that are keeping people awake at night mm -hmm. am i right mm -hmm. have you seen yeah. this a lot yeah it's interesting when because we we talk a lot about well what is it that we could do to make the biggest impact and that's why we often find ourselves doing that one-size-fits-all approach, 
But what I what I suggest or recommend is, look, uh, there's what we need to communicate to everyone. And there's also, well, what are the pervasive or most common concern sets that exist within the organization for our audience? And of course, we need to look at, well, when we look at the messaging in terms of what we're communicating, what are the concerns of our leaders often the case? Um, that we need to make sure are being communicated. So, you know, it's another way of saying that uh, we are constantly uh, revisiting our, our, our role or identity as communicators. Um, what I'd offer is that w the priority is really for us to be much more of a facilitator than a communicator. You know, inherently, when you position the role that way, it becomes two-way. Right. As a literally a facilitator of information, you know, listening to those leaders and the messages and the important um, call it strategic priorities or direction or information really ultimately to sift through that and say, OK, well, of that, what is directly responding to what we heard from the concerns of our audiences? And that's where the magic happens. Right. It's when we can identify, well, what is it that leaders need to communicate as an, or do we need to communicate as an organization? And what is it that people really care about? so that we can respond to those concerns and then we can move forward in the, in the right direction and have much, much more thoughtful conversation about the things that matter to everyone. So I know that's kind of a long answer, but what's important about that is that we need to pay attention to the other side. And that's ultimately, of course, what creates more two-way communication, leading to more levels of participation, engagement, awareness, all of those things that typically uh, revolve in and around the definition of you know, more engaged people at work. So I, I'm, I'm of the belief, having spoken to a lot of internal communicators over the, well, since we started doing this podcast, um, mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty convinced that internal communicators have, have come to grips with communicating and when it comes to sending messages, right? So when mm -hmm. it comes to sending messages, they, they really try to adopt that human way. And in general, the disciplines become a lot better with it. But how about the other side of it, which is you need to also go to that leader who wants you to mm -hmm. communicate something, let's say that it's, mm -hmm. I don't know, Q1's strategic objectives or whatever it could be. How yeah. do you then convince a leader also that this is the right approach to take? How do you yeah. get that board? That's bringing us right back to what we often call now the listening strategy, right? So, you know, two very important words. To just say that we're listening is one thing, but we need to be very strategic about that. And we need to ensure that we're, we're balancing um, very um, uh, time-based listening tactics. So beginning and an end, right? So we have one pulse question that's open for the day on Wednesday, you know? Uh, so very specific kind of targeted listening exercises or tactics, along with what I call kind of the ground cover, you know, the constant listening. So you know that, especially these days, that we're going to have the ability to have, you know, open house conversations with our leader or a leader on the team, it's often you know best practice now to really shake things up rather than one specific leader uh, on the third Thursday of every month for an hour. You know that that's that expectation that you know needs to be there. Uh, again, two very good examples of making sure that there's awareness for the time and place to, to be heard. Um, so that that's one of the ways. Um, the I want to make sure I answer your question. You know the when we think about making sure that uh, our leaders can trust that we're, we are constantly listening and that they, um, they trust the information that we're sharing when we say, you know, these are the concerns that it's very much connected to um, the, the, one of the things I always like to talk about, and we talk about a measure of success for communicators, 
you know, one of the questions that we don't often see, but I love this question, is uh, making sure that the work that we're doing is building confidence in our leadership and helping shape our identity as a you know, communicator uh, that we have and can maintain the pulse of the organization. Yeah, you know, if we can be as a communicator, the person or the group or the team that our leadership is coming to and saying, you know, what is it that people care about today? You know, what, what are you hearing about what we're saying that's landing or working or not working? You know, that requires trust between the communications team or function, the leadership team. And in order to build that trust, they need to see that we're being very thoughtful about our listening strategy. So on one hand, it's proactively saying, here's the strategy. Here are the tactics that we've embedded. Here are the things that are foundationally will be in play, empowered by technology in many cases. And then secondly, here's what we need from you, leadership team. You know, here's the time and place that we need you. And here's some counsel in terms of how you may be able to uh, facilitate the right dialogue during that hour once a month. In that, that's a true strategy, at least a part of it. And it will build that confidence they can come to us and say, now, what is it that we need to say? Are we communicating our strategy in the right way? Um, are we addressing those concerns that we've been talking about so that people are moving beyond kind of where they are today in terms of what keeps them up at night to actually listening and being much more forward thinking and accountable for what we're asking them to do today, which I know leads into a good segue into, well, what's the role of managers in that? But uh, let me know if that's where you want to go next. Actually, oh my gosh. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Preston is also going to be co-hosting next time. No, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Um, so first off, that, there's some really, really powerful advice in what you just said. So uh, to any internal communicator listening right now, still feeling like maybe they're uh, being pigeonholed or kind of stuck in what the old paradigm of internal comms is, listen to Preston and take that advice to heart, please, because it's a great way to shift your job from being just that send, send, send to really being the facility facilitator of internal communications, ultimately allowing the industry to progress towards becoming a true business partner. This podcast is free of charge in commerce and only exists to bring you the unscripted experiences and opinions of today's best professionals. Whether it's AI, employee engagement, diversity and inclusion, or analytics, we've got you covered. To keep this podcast free, we would like to ask that you share it with as many people as you can and rate us particularly on iTunes. All it takes for our mission to succeed is a couple of five-star ratings. Now, when it comes to the segue, that, so this was the juicy bit, right, Preston? We, we, we discussed a couple of cool things, and now we, we talked about you know, higher-level leadership and internal comms position there. But we also know now that um, there's a big issue in companies everywhere right now, and that's management. Management is starting to feel the pressure of working remotely, uh, of having a team to manage, of needing to listen to their leaders and cascading information. In fact, we ran a survey recently and we that survey concluded that while 14% of employees say they're likely to leave within the next six months, which is kind of a normal number, I guess, that seems relatively healthy, 43% of managers said that they want to leave within the next six months. And that's alarmingly high. Now, I'm really curious to hear, first, of course, I've seen the research, so I've got a couple of insights, but I'm really curious to hear, do, do you have an idea of why that is? Why are managers under such pressure that they actually feel like maybe it's time to look elsewhere and see if the grass is greener on the other side? I, I love that data point so much. You know, this is a, a very specific example 
of what we're seeing um, in terms of the impact that new ways of working are having in, in the global workforce. So um, let's, let's not dive into new ways of working and the behaviors that drive that, but let's really keep this actually quite simple, right? Let's, let's remember the fundamentals of our work of creating you know, better experiences through more effective communications at a workplace. We, uh, you know, we talk about all the different definitions of, of engagement or employee engagement, or we look at, you know, um, engagement as an, as an outcome or as a measure of something. Um, the, what I love about that data point is that it's reminding us, you know, fundamentally, people aren't leaving organizations, you know, they're leaving managers. You know, they, they your, your day, keep it even more simple, you know, beyond being able to say and be proud of the company that you work for. What, what makes, what's enabling us to get through the days and empowering us to do our best work is the relationship that we have with our entire team. And a very big part of that is our manager, right? So we have the best team in the world, but if we have a manager that isn't effective, it just doesn't feel good. It decreases morale, decreases performance for the broader team. So what's nice about this data point is it's enabling us, reminding us that we need to hone in on, again, what's the one area of focus that we can have to make the biggest impact. And that's ensuring that our managers, back to creating a human-centric workplace, our managers are in a position where they, they feel like they look good. You know, they're, they're not looking stupid. So, you, you know, tactically speaking, of course, the question is, well, what do we do to empower and enable our managers so that they're more effective at their work and in their role, right? Because if, you're, if we feel better about our role and the work that we're doing, and if we feel good about our team as a manager, then people aren't going to leave, right? You can connect the dots very easily, you know? So let, let's work backwards from the outcome of people leaving and saying, okay, what are we doing today in our new world? Uh, and I mean that, and to be very clear, I know, of course, that we were with many organizations that the, 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 this quote, new way of working isn't new. You know, there's been a lot of virtual team for many, many years. And for many years, we've learned how to be effective there. What's different today is there's just more of us. You know, before it was optional, now it's not. It's not optional to choose to work virtually, right? So sitting within that context, what can we do to empower managers to, feel, to do their work more effectively, to feel better about their role? Because as we talk about people don't leave companies, they leave managers. Well, managers leave leaders. Managers leave companies. If the leadership team and or the company is not making me look good, or more very importantly, the, specifically, if, there, if my company is not providing me with the information and the answers I need to answer the questions for my team, it's going to make me feel stupid and not look good, right? That's where the rubber meets the road for a people manager. And then it falls back on us as communicators and as leaders to say, okay, well, what are we doing to address that specific need that our people managers need at any level? People that manage teams, um, or you know, from one to many, however many are on your team, it doesn't matter. So that we can revisit kind of the foundation of communicating effectively with that manager. So uh, the foundation has the three basic parts: systems and processes. I need the skills and you know the, the support that are more effective comms with people managers. Secondly, skills and capabilities. You know, are we providing the learning and, and in some cases training or just the information people need to revisit their skills as a manager, as a communicator, same thing as far as I'm concerned. And then thirdly, as an organization, you know, as terms of our communications infrastructure internally, uh, are we tactically 
putting in place the right things to sustain a new level of effective comms from people managers. So when we build more effective people manager communication strategy, we need to balance it with those three things. It can't just be training. It can't just be more effective technology, you know, or intranet or, you know, um, kind of uh, micro communication technology like a Slack or a team. You know, it needs to be all of those things very carefully balanced. So uh, that's the high level answer, but that is the one area of focus that will hopefully move the needle in the right direction on that important data point. Right. So I, I think that there are two subjects that I'd like to explore here. Um, one is the relationship between a higher level leader and a manager, because you're absolutely right. Um, people don't leave companies, they leave leaders or they leave managers and managers also have managers. So that's a very good point. Now, first off, what can an internal communicator do to grease that cog in the wheel a little bit better than what it's going and then how it's going now? In terms of the relationship that people manager have with their organization? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so, so a couple of quick answers. First, back to what we said a few minutes ago, do the ma people managers feel heard? You know, if they continuously are hearing feedback and comments from their team about, you know, when are we gonna get information about a timeline of returning to, you know, our traditional offices? Uh, um, how has the, um, the pandemic impacted our business, really? Uh, what, do we know now that we didn't know three months ago? Uh, what can we do now as an organization to support our people? Because we've been doing this for a year now and it's been six months since anything's been communicated to us about re that, that really illustrates that our leadership team understands what's different today. Um, I can keep going. That's great news that our numbers actually still look good. You know, we thought that they would take a hit, but we're overworked. You know, like so, so again, ensuring that people managers are seeing from their leadership team that those comments that they're sharing are being heard. You know, that's the that's the way to um, to ensure that uh, you said you know, briefing the cog a bit more. You know, it, it, you know, fundamentally, you know, we're all human. I don't care what level of the organization you're in. People manage. We need to do more to show that not only we're listening and hearing people managers, that we're actually doing something about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think those are beautiful points. And again, really, really valuable advice there. Now, in terms of, you know, you've got, if we look at an organizational hierarchy, very, very roughly, you'll, you'll have your top level leadership, you'll have your kind of middle management, and then you'll have the bottom line boots on the ground, however you want to call it, right? Now, we just discussed how uh, the middle management, the, the, the meat in the sandwich basically is feeling the pressure from that top bun, but there's also yeah. pressure coming down from below because yeah. managers are communicators. It is part of their job. They're, they weren't all communicators when they became managers. They got yeah. promoted because they're really good at what they do. So now they stand for an entirely new challenge, which is, okay, I have to communicate with my team primarily through digital means. And yeah. it's not yeah. normal for a lot of people. And even now, a lot of people, organizations struggle with it. So I guess, you know, to your point, and I, I know that we spoke of this before, but how can you lead and communicate like a human yeah. if you're doing it through a machine? How can yeah, we help yeah. our managers get a little bit better at that? Yeah, this is where I, I may have permission to be really blunt for a second, right? <laughs> I think everyone would, I think everybody would appreciate that. You know, we often talk about, you know, up and down communication, right? At all levels in organizations. Um, one of the, the ways that we frame 
um, you know, whether information or messaging uh, could or could not be cascaded, if you will, you know, at, throughout all levels, is we refer to that, that middle level as, as, as the frozen middle, right? I love this metaphor, right? You know, you can't plant seeds in the frozen soil and expect them to grow, All right? So the question is, you know, what are we doing to defrost the frozen middle? And there's no auto defrost button for the frozen middle. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, that's one button. There's no one thing that's going to suggest that that information is flowing or that we're nurturing that soil so those seeds can grow, right? What we need to constantly go back to is it goes, you know, that's what it truly means to, to be human centric is to remember that human beings are different. Not every people manager is the same. So to answer your question, what is the one thing we can do to both illustrate that we get and understand the world of a people manage of a, uh, somebody who manages people um, and to really pay attention to the fact that everyone's different. <laughs> um, we need to support people managers with helping to understand what type of manager, leader, communicator, all in the same, you know, what type of person are they? What are their communication preferences? Giving a, um, you know, a, a, a somebody that manages people, really anybody, right? But just to stay focused on that audience, um, the permission and opportunity to say, look, uh, I am not the most outgoing person in the world. You know, I, I manage engineers and I can go with that excuse that says I'm an engineer, so therefore I don't need to communicate well, right? That's what I mean by being blunt. We need to acknowledge that. Sure, that might be the case, but that's you know not an excuse to be a good manager of people. To just fall back on the fact that oh, I'm an engineer, I don't communicate well. That's 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 BS, right? We as a, a uh, an employer need to help people understand. Well, how is it that you, as an individual manager, need to communicate in a way that works for you, and ultimately will then work for your people? So, you know, it's not that difficult. Let's be clear. And when you look at the personas of people managers, let's identify the three different personas. Somebody that might be um, much more outgoing and much more proactive and much more communicative, probably um, verbally, and it's been maybe good on camera. That's the person that needs to do, you know, 15 minute check-ins over camera with their team once a week individually. We need to give those folks, you know, the three to five questions that they need to leave with. We need to make sure that that, that person understands when they get interesting insight from those answers to those questions that they're having dialogue with somebody on their team, they know where to put those comments. Because we need those comments as a leadership team and as a communicator to understand, well, what is the pulse there? Secondly, you may have a persona of, a, of somebody who manages people that isn't as outgoing, doesn't like to be on camera, um, is much more, it's much better with the written word than, than verbally. You know, how, you know, what are we giving that person to do a kind of virtual check-in? It might be one or two questions because no one wants to write out long emails talking about how you're feeling, right? Um, but, you know, there might be one or two questions that we can give them to ask somebody. So it really it ultimately comes down to, well, how are we giving permission to people managers to manage in a way that works for them and feels good and is effective rather than like we were saying that, you know, it's that one way that we feel like it's going to work for everyone, it's just not going to work. Right. So I, I think, and I'm, I'm curious to hear if I got this right. Okay. So let's say now 
somebody listening to this podcast, they also realize that um, specifically within their company, you know, management is a, a, a larger flight risk, let's say, than other employee groups. In other words, internal comms needs to do something about this yesterday. So mm -hmm. then we have to start approaching this. Now, mm -hmm. one of the things that maybe I would do if I look at this very practically, kind of taking this, this sort of, you know, tactical to strategy approach, I would start to look at all of the communication channels that we have available right now. And that would be the meeting, you know, for example, we're in a screen call right now. That's a channel. Uh, you have mm -hmm. Slack, that's a channel. Email, that's a channel, et cetera. Write those down, create some best practices for making the most out of those channels, and then look at which managers fit into the personas that you just uh, identified and approach them with a selection and say, hey, listen, I don't, you know, I think you're this type of person. How's it going with your communications? Here are our recommendations, and this will probably help you be a better communicator, which means you'll be a better people manager, which means you'll not feel like you're being stupid. You'll yeah. feel like you're doing great things, right? Yeah, yeah. let's even get even that, because I know the communicators and others will really appreciate this. Just get even a little bit more specific. Like if you needed to go and do something today, what might that be to address the specific thing we're talking about? Um, that's the value of creating a trusted single source of truth and technology helps. You know, this is not going to be, um, you know, a Teams or a Slack. This, this is a power of, a, of an intranet, right? An intranet inherently helps us create a place that, that um, ultimately sets an expectation. A source of truth as a people manager that says, I know I can go somewhere. Quick little side note, I'm, I, uh, this is an interesting conversation for another time, but I'm I would suggest that although it may be a people manager portal with resources, that it's actually available to everyone in the organization. Um, that's an interesting conversation, like I said, but uh, suggesting that, look, yes, as communicators, as part of our digital workplace and as part of the, um, the infrastructure for communicating and supporting people managers, they can go to a place to get information, whether it's getting answers to the you know, talking points to the, you know, what's hot and, you know, what is it that we know people are talking about? We could, lots of different examples of content for, let's call it a manager portal or manager central. We, um, the power of technology also suggests that if we create these three different personas that define, you know, personas in our word, by the way, it may be, um, you know, made up characters that people can just like choose your own adventure. They can self-identify. What kind of manager are you? Are you this, this, or that? What happens very quickly is that we get data that says, well, that's interesting. Actually, a majority of our managers self-associate with this type of people manager. That means we need to double down on resources to support those kind of people managers. You know, uh, I can keep going, but when we can structure the, the manager portal experience that way, look at the data in terms of the information, the resources people are um, seeking and actually using, i.e. clicking on or downloading, you know, PDFs and talking points, that they're referring to in these conversations that they need to have more often with their teams to ensure that, again, people feel heard and people are, quote, more engaged or that we're addressing their concerns. Just, you know, that is a very tactical example of something that we need to do now that we may not have revisited since we made sure that the, you know, the COVID data is there on the safe workplace or working from home effectively. It's not just about working from home. It's how do we manage virtual teams effectively and based on the kind of manager that I can self-associate with, here are some very practical, tactical suggestions on how I can have a better conversation or a more effective kind of touch point if that's not necessarily a you know a conversation with somebody. That's uh, So it's really awesome to see 
that when you say, you know, lead like a human and communicate like one, we're not actually, this isn't fluff. You've embedded this philosophy no. in every way that you're approaching it, which is really nice to see because it makes for a really compelling business case, I would say, as to why people need to embrace this way of thinking um, to the point that I would not be nervous to approach leadership and tell them that this is what we need no. to do because it's, it's, it seems like it's logic. Have we gotten yeah. washed up in all of the numbers and the data that's now available to us and have we sort of lost track of this? Or is it maybe that you feel people are sometimes a little bit afraid of do, to do this? Yeah. And let's not forget, by the way, when we talked about listening strategy, you know, there are digital channels that we're using that are not you know, e-surveys. Okay. Yeah. You know, when we talk about listening, we need to look at, well, what is all the information that we have around the type of information that say, for example, people managers, and we know this, right? We know who's a people manager or not. We could run data, we can run um, uh, reports that say people managers based on who they are as a person or an ID are accessing this information. Well, that's actually really important to know. We should probably make sure that we're and ensuring that that information is good and up to date. As a people, that just feels good. I feel like I'm being supportive to be more effective in my job. Again, therefore doing a better job with my team and everyone's feeling good and I'm going to stick around and not leave. Um, you know, we all know that what's interesting also on, on many levels, but another interesting point around that data point of people managers leaving more often today than traditionally. Um, we know that when we look at just the obvious cost analysis of, of turnover in terms of the HR metric, traditionally people managers are more expensive, which means they're more expensive to replace on many levels. So the value equation of focusing on engaging people managers so we decrease turnover and increase retention. I mean, we're talking about building a business case, investing communications. I couldn't think of a more specific place to invest time and energy and resources than making sure that our people managers are happy, ultimately supported with doing a better job managing the team. I'm totally with you. I 100% agree with what you're saying. I think that now we've been uh, evangelizing for a long time that retention yeah. uh, and dec or decreasing turnover is one of the key metrics that internal communication should be reporting on. I think that now with your advice, they'll be able to combat those things first. And second, they'll be able to direct it to a specific group of people. So to anyone listening to this podcast right now, ask yourself the question, how well do I know my managers and their concerns? If the answer is not very well, listen to everything that Preston just told you, because there's some really great advice there. If the answer is, I know my people really, really well, please share with us, because I would love to learn what your organization's ecosystem is like in broad strokes, you know, as far as you can share it. Um, by the time that we post this podcast, it will be up on our LinkedIn page. So just drop a comment there and say, hey, here's what I'm doing to getting to get to know my people and my managers and my level, top level leaders, etc. Awesome. Preston, thank you so much that there was so much information and such good advice packed into uh, a beautiful, well, 30-ish plus minutes by now. <laughs> that was really great. Uh, I really appreciate you coming here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Well, let's do this again sometime in the near future. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, talk to you then. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Internal Communications Podcast. We're dedicated to creating more and more amazing content for you. So please subscribe on your favorite channel. 
You can find all the episodes back on our website, www.happio.com slash podcast. And there are more supporting resources on happio.com slash blog. Feel free to reach out to Jonathan too. You can contact him by sending a mail to jonathan at happio.com or connect with him on LinkedIn. We're building a community, so don't forget to share this podcast on your social media platform. 